This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to my new football club with myself, uh, David O, and John Beer. Hello. Right, John. Hello. How are you? It's a big one today, isn't it? Huge. For the second time. How are you feeling? Excited. I want to see what his, uh, what his schedule is like at this this time of year. We're talking to Exeter City manager, uh, Gary Caldwell. And um, you said something just before we start recording about, hasn't he, why is he talking to us? Hasn't he got enough on his plate? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's probably pretty busy at this time of year, isn't he? So I wonder what he's done today. I wonder if he's rushing around to get this pod in, or if he's just like, yeah, can do this, then have a little nap, then try and sign some players. I wonder if he ever goes to the, like, the training ground, go, I don't know what to do to, to today. <laughs> nah, he's definitely always got something to do, surely. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> He'll find some cones to move or something. How are you feeling about the new season, John? It's just around the corner. Excited. Very excited. I mean, I don't get to go to as many games anymore, but there's quite a few uh, away games in and around us. So I'm I'm always excited for the new football season. How can you not be? Best time of the year. You say it starts too early. I don't say it starts early enough. <laughs> when do you want to start? A week after, after it's week, finished. No holiday. <laughs> have a little... Well, you can have holiday in a week. Get out for three days. Back in on training next... Yeah. Next Monday. Enjoy it. No, I was excited last year because it was League One. I think I'm more excited this year. Yeah, because there's going to be a whole new... Well, not whole, but well, yeah, pretty much a whole new different squad, isn't it? So. Yeah. I really want to get some little... Um... Exclusives. Yeah. just want to know about some players coming in. As soon as he comes in, not even a hello. Who are we signing? <laughs> How much? <laughs> Is he going to score yeah. 50 goals? Have you, have Exeter ever got anyone in new signing where from like minute one you watched them and went, bloody hell, they're good? And they turned out to be a little hero. Nicky Law for me, yeah. Really? Yeah, he was a couple of And were you excited when you heard he was joining or did you not know anything? No, I didn't really know who he was. Oh, really? I mean, we, I think the exact words used to describe him by Bradford fans where they called him the crab because they, th- they thought he could only pass sideways. Um, and he was unbelievable. He was so good for us. One of, one of the best players I've seen play for XSC. Like, technically. So that's why you never know. Someone could come in and just be the difference. Like, Jack Aitchison could be the difference between a good season and a bad season. If he's on it or if someone's on it, you know, changes your, changes your season. Do you think all the, like the other teams in League One Will they have changed as much as us? Or will, that, will ours have been... It depends. Some teams are in transition years at different times. They will have had a season like us where they lose sort of like 10 players and have to sign 10 again. But they might not be in the same year as us. Like our 
year for transition might be this year Portsmouth might be next year or someone's might be two years later like because obviously teams are signing players on different length deals so Mm. we normally go for like one or two year deals whereas some teams might go for two or three year deals because they've got a bit more money or whatever but yeah the transitional years there'll be transitional years for every team yeah definitely right so every every fan goes through what we're going through now which is this like oh we're gonna have a completely uh different shit and sometimes that um you benefit from it and sometimes you go oh my god yeah sometimes you're thinking what have we brought in here and other times you're thinking (laughs) really yeah definitely and will we know when do you think we'll know what we've got how long will it take? Maybe like midway Month? through pre-season. What, you'll know straight away? Yeah, we'll, we'll better tell how you... Well, not how you're going to fare it, but the first league game in a season is always the best indicator. But, like, when I remember watching us play at Lincoln away, the first game of last season, thinking, yeah, we'll be all right. We're good enough to compete in this division. Because Lincoln had done all right maybe the season before, or I'd stayed up. Oh, had, well, obviously had stayed up. So, yeah, we, I thought we were going to be fine. Maybe... Here's Gary. He's here. Hello. Hi, lad. How you doing? I'm doing four minutes late. That's all right for me. <laughs> Honestly, we were wondering why you'd chosen to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> thanks Thanks for doing it. I need a bit of fun in my, in my day. It's a long day. I need a bit of a laugh now. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? Are you knackered? Tired. I'm a bit tired, yeah. We were up at five to five this morning. Ugh. Why? Train, train. We, we've been going to the gym at Newton Abbott with the boys. Uh, they've done that. was our third session. They start at six o'clock. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a long day, these ones. The boys are boys are feeling it. So, that's we've done that. Then we trained this morning. Then this afternoon, we had some team-building stuff at the training ground. Uh the boys done some different things for for teamwork and that. So yeah, it's a pretty full on day. They're, they're literally just just leaving now. How many times throughout the day did you go? Oh fuck it, I've got to do that bloody podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only I, I remembered it in the last ten minutes. I thought I've, I've got that podcast. Somebody actually said you've got that podcast. Oh so for God's sake! So I have. I need to go. <laughs> so you're really tired then and busy. Uh, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. The players are tired. They're really tired. But it's it's a busy time of year because obviously they've been off, so we need to build the fitness back up. We have a lot of double sessions. Obviously, today is like a triple session. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got recruitment and, and other things as well. So it's, uh, it is pretty full on. I'm looking forward to kind of pre-season games starting, and that's when you start to things start to level out a little bit in preparation for the start of the season. How's uh, how's Marcus handling everything? He must be pretty busy, phone in ear in hand, uh, non-stop. Yeah, we are. To be fair, and we've only signed obviously two players so far. There's loads more, you know, in the pipeline. We're working hard on different different players, different positions. Uh, I think everyone's the same. Anyone I speak to at different clubs, they're they're having the same difficulties to to get deals done. You have to. Obviously, recruit the player and, and make sure the player fits the profile that you're looking for for the club. Then you've got to get permission to speak to the player and then uh, get to know him. Then you need to agree with the agent. You might need to agree with the club if he's not a free. You need to get the contract in place. So it's it's 
far more difficult than, than you, you might think than just, well, we know we need a, you know, whatever position in number 10, let's just go and get them. That's the reality of that and how that actually happens is, is much different. So, Gary, uh, I'm, 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 I'm not used to lower league football because I've just watched Man United all my life. <laughs> and this season, it feels like it's just going to be a brand new team. And yet, it feels like everyone's gone out the door and like you said, you brought two in. Are you occasionally going, fucking hell, we haven't got a team here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it feels like it's only a month for one. I'm heading that way, I'm heading that way. But I, I think the good thing for me is we've got a, a kind of a part of a spine of a team. We've got number nines, we've got centre-halves. Uh, we need some midfielders and tens, but the, the general spine of the team looks okay at the back and at the front. Uh, we need to get obviously competition in those areas, but the the midfield and wing back situation we sorted the left hand side. We probably still need need one on the right. Uh, so we know exactly what we're looking for, and it will be. I would say it will be half a team. It will be half a squad turnover. But again, we knew that was going to happen pretty early anyway with Josh and and Archie. We we offered them contracts, but we always in the back of our mind we always thought they're going to leave. So. We were prepared for that and we've been, like I say, we've been looking at players and trying to get players in and uh, you have a list that, that you go through and, and you want to try and bring them in. But it takes a number of different things for, for that to happen. How does it work? Does someone, is it Marcus, finds a player and says, what do you think of this person? Is that how it works or do you know a few? Or... Yeah, well, it's, it's everyone really. Marcus is, you know, he coordinates everything. We have a... Around ten scouts who who work for us, and then I brought in Malcolm Crosby, who I worked with at Wigan before, who's the chief scout. So they all have been watching players all season. Right. They're putting in reports every single week, and from that, Marcus will compile a list of you know certain players and certain positions that fit the profile of what we're looking for. Then we will, at the end of the season, identify who's going to be left, who we want to re-sign, who's going to leave. And then from there, we'll then have obviously holes in the team that we need to replace and, and bring players in. And then we'll, we'll go through the list. And uh, at that point, it's obviously the, the list will be compiled with the players that we have scouted and looked at. But obviously, then other names come in from agents. Uh, we all have connections in the game and different players that we know, myself and, and the staff. So then we'll, we'll just identify players, try and speak to those players and their agents and, and try and, and make it happen. Is it, are these constant conversations you're having every day at the moment? Like, are you yeah. on a training pitch and then, all right, mate, give me a break? Is it, <laughs> is it, is it non-stop? I'm not, I'm not quite Harry Redknapp yet. I'm not, the phone's not that hot. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of phone calls, but when I, I, I'm somebody that always wants to be in the training pit, so when you know the time comes to go to training, the, the phone's off. Marcus, at that point, will still be taking calls, but... I'll be on the training pits and come in and if I've got messages or calls then, then you need to make those calls after obviously. How how far into last season or like just before the end of the season, how far before the end of the season did you when did the plan start properly? Like when you looking at other players, looking at people that are gonna be out of contract, is that sort of straight after January or? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Once once we got through January we then obviously put you know, a few new players into the team and, and the squad evolved after that, but then we're then looking at the summer and where the holes will be. Like I said, with Josh and Archie, we, we offered them contracts, but we were, you know, we were f- pretty sure they were going to leave the football club. They were, they were, they were always saying 
that they, they were looking to leave. So we, we knew where we stood in, in those uh, two instances and we obviously need to get replacements for them. But then there was other players who have maybe tried to re-sign, who've left, like a Kevin McDonald, who then you have to then go and, and try and look for a replacement. So uh, we, we would like to be further on in terms of a recruitment, but there's no panic buttons getting pressed at the moment. We said at the very start of the window, we have to be really patient. Uh, like I said, I'm starting to, to teeter on the edge of that patience, but uh, I think we have to have to be clear that we get the right player. You know, we could go out and sign seven or eight players tomorrow, but they might not be the right players. So we have to be patient to make sure we get the right players. Could you play? Could exactly. You, yeah, could you play? No, not with the way my knee's feeling at the minute, no. <laughs> but if your knee was all right, could you do a very good job still? No. Pert, Pert's good. Pert's good. He trained today, Pert's, in uh, possession, and he was excellent. Uh, really? And we, we tempt him. He, he's, he asked for a lot of money today in the, in the office. I'm not going to lie. He, he said, well, if you pay me this, I'll play. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, was, it was too much for us. So I said, we're out, Perks. You need to stay as a coach for now then. With, with players like Archie and Josh, is it difficult? Because obviously they were such an integral part of the squad last season. But if you sort of know they might not be here next season, do you sort of try and look to maybe progress other players? Or were they always sort of going to play? Yeah, I think Pedro Borges would come into that where... You know, near the end of the season, when we beat, after we beat Barnes, uh, we actually had a board meeting in that week. There were specific things that I wanted to achieve from that point till the end of the season. We done a, a certain number of them by Pedro and Sonny were, were the big, big ones in that, that we wanted to get them minutes. We wanted to get them some starts under their belt and, and get experience in League One football and Whilst we didn't win as many games in that really difficult run, we still I still felt like we progressed as a football club because we gave those young players minutes. We played a certain way in all of those games that I think will help us this season when we play the, the so-called bigger teams in the league. And we had experiences like Ipswich and other games. Sheffield Wednesday was a was a although we lost the game was a fairly positive experience where we set up a certain way to to be a threat in the game and. I think we were the better team in the game and if we had taken our opportunity to go 2-0 up, I think we'd have won the game. So that was a positive experience where we, we adapted against a better team and, and gave a really good performance. But the level shows that if, if you make little mistakes against the bigger teams, you, you get punished. And then we obviously had a real kind of humbling experience at Ipswich where if if you're not on it in, in those big games, then, then you can get heavily punished. So... We learned a lot in those last seven games and I think they'll they'll be big for us next season. What's it what's it like being a manager of a professional football team? Do you do you drive park up going, look at me, this feels lovely? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be a manager of <laughs> it. Do you ever do you ever go, bloody hell, look at me? I'm doing all right. Uh, no. I think Pip Guard is like he might have done that in the summer. He might drive up after winning the treble, but yeah, no, I don't. I think in football, even Pep Guardiola, I think he's the best manager out there, uh, probably that's ever been. Uh, and he's relentless; it never stops. It's the next thing. It's the next game. It's the yeah. next trophy. Uh, so it's. I, I always say, I, I say it to my mates to wind them up. Oh, I'm going to work, but I've never. If I'm being honest, I've never worked a day in my life. I've been a footballer and I've been a football coach or manager. So 
it, it never feels like you're going to work. You're going to to do something you love. You're going to kind of work with people you you respect and you get on with. So it's like it's an absolute pleasure to come into work every day. But there is always a relentless pursuit for the next yeah. thing. The next when uh, so it's it is kind of consuming. It does it does take over your life to be honest. Because there's constant pressure. I guess from the sort of from the fans, you just got to keep coming up with the results. Yeah, I think the pressure comes from from within. I think if you've not got your own your own standards and your own desire to be the best you can be, then you know that there should never be more pressure from outside than than you put on yourself. So I've always been someone that expects a lot from myself, whether that be a player or or as I've went into management. So the the demands you put on yourself are far greater than than the supporters. But I think you've got a duty, you know. Exeter City with you know a supporter own club the board you know place me in charge of this club and I feel like I've got a real duty to, to give them something back and, and get the success that they want Gary what's it like when it's match day and you're walking out onto the, the pitch and you've sort of given your instructions and you stood at the side of the pitch and you've really got to get those three points and you've, all you can do sort of is just watch for me the, the best managers coaches that, that your work is done during the week. So when when we're here on a day-to-day basis and we're, we're building relationships with the players, we're working on the grass, on, on coaching, on, on different things, uh, that's when we have to get our point across and that's when our work is done so that when the players go into a game, they know what the what's expected of them, what the rules are and what they have to do. Obviously, within the game, we can, we can tweak that, we can try and affect that way. With tactical changes, with substitutions at half time, we can show them some clips for the game to, to try and uh, change the game in, in any way we want. But I think that the most work we can do is during the week so that the players are fully prepared. And then the biggest thing is you, you have to trust the players. You have to give them that uh, belief that you know what they've done and, and their ability and talent and character will, will be enough to go out and win the game. But it's... It's what we live for. I think I've been out the game and I've, you know, you, you do different things on a Saturday afternoon, but you, you miss that. It's like a drug. It's like, I, I'm sure you get it as supporters at three o'clock when the teams come out and you, you feel alive. And sometimes that has negative experiences when you lose games and it, it's difficult, but it's at least you have that emotion of a, a high or a low that you can, uh, I'm in a, like I say, I'm in a privileged position. I can try and do something about it. I've got the, the opportunity to try and affect it. So uh, I love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other, uh, any other way. Yeah. You mentioned there, Gary, that, you know, you show them clips at halftime and that. How do you interact between sort of pitch side and up to the analyst area, which so, sort of like saying clip that because you see bits and then you show them. The analyst area. Yeah, sort of like up, in, in the gantry with the commentators and that, yeah. There's a gantry, David, I don't know if you know, there's a gantry above the director's box. Where the, the one with a little ladder? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was an analyst. I've been, I've been up there, it's dangerous <laughs> getting up there. Scary. I think Mr Tag needs to do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, uh, we would have two analysts up there, one would film the game, so on a camera. And the the other analysts would code the game. So this will blow your mind, David. You can actually, like, every time they hit certain buttons, 
certain actions of the game will be in a on a clip. So if at half time I could go in and ask for the, the goal or a cross or a certain defensive action and they'll bring it up instantly. So any kind of little highlight they'll go, that'll probably need clipping that bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll then so perks perks used to sit up in the stand to be that kind of eye in the stand. We then changed it. I felt like Perks could be really good as a motivator down in the technical area, so you see him jumping about there and, and kind of giving the players some energy, which allows me to focus more on watching the game and trying to see it from a more tactical point of view. Kev is also down there to, to give me a kind of second opinion down there as well and kind of run things past him. So we feel like having never worked together in that kind of capacity, we're now, we, we kind of feel comfortable and we, we trusted the analyst uh, to, to kind of watch the game and give us any feedback that we felt we needed. Then at halftime, we'll have specific clips that we will show maximum probably two in possession, two out of possession, but that would be a maximum four clips where if I really want to highlight something then I can show the actual game footage at halftime. So we, take a, we actually take a TV away with us on a stand and we'll wheel it into the dressing room so that we can show it at halftime any specific clips we want to show the players and adapt. So if I'm centre-back and I've made a little error, would you go, what are you doing? Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep rewinding. Usually, what are you doing? It's usually used for either either a positive clip, so sometimes we can say this is how we can hurt a specific team if we have an attack. But yeah, we would we would try and stay clear of individual finger-pointing. That might help that yes. might the player. For, <laughs> you might be a little bit low. Yeah, so how how are you feeling right now, Gary? You, because I obviously want us to get promoted, because I'm getting on a bit and I've got a lot of time left. <laughs> Can you get us promoted, please? I'll try my best. Uh, I mean, I was saying to John before the pod, I was, I was thinking about Plymouth. It was just uh, they were just winning, for, felt like for nine months. Feels like to get out of this league, you've got. It feels like you've got to pull off the impossible. Yeah, we're, we're, we're currently looking in. Marcus is going to put something together for us before the start of the season of a kind of a framework of what you need to do in League One. I did it when I was at Wigan, where you look back over the last 10 years and just see what the league in terms of points, where you need to be at certain times. And it just, it's not an exact science, but it'll give you a general idea of what, uh, what games you how many games you need to win, how many goals you need to score, that type of stuff. So we have kind of benchmarks where we can look at where we are in relation to, to what we want to achieve. But I, th I think at this club, it's I think we always want to be the best we can be. We always want to we want to try and win the league if we can. You know, whether that's a reality or not, then compared to other teams in the league. But the biggest thing we want to create next year is, is improvement from last season. We want to be better in everything we do, whether that's analysing the game and how we you know, we get the clips at half-time and make that better, whether that's improve the way we train. But everything we do has to be better so that you know the players can go on the pitch and perform better and get more points uh, and, and take us higher up the table to, to hopefully something that, that you, you want. Yeah. At this point, John's Wi-Fi dropped out, so he left the conversation for a few minutes. So if you sat there wondering uh, where's, where is John's delightful voice, um, he's, 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 he wasn't here. 
but he, he does come back in about five minutes, so sit tight. Um, he'll be back soon. John sodded off. Let's let John sodded off. He's had enough. <laughs> he's had enough. <laughs> could you could you tell us a little bit about um, Vincent Harper and Jack Aitchison? Because I've been having a look at some highlights. Thought, hello, he looks all right. Yeah, Vincent was somebody that Malcolm seen probably four times live last season. So that what I said about the kind of scouting department, how we watch players. Vincent was seen four times. He was our number one target on our list for the left wing back. So where would where would Dimitri Mitchell play then? Would you have you got other ideas for him then? So Dimitri, that they're very similar. We we did think about looking at a different profile. So when I say profile, I mean Demi's like small, fast, good one v one player. We could have went for a bigger, more defensive wing back, but we felt like with Vinny, you know, if they're both doing extremely well, Demi can play higher. Vinny can play on the opposite side as a number ten as well. So they're both. Uh, versatile players who could, who could actually play with each other. So if one's doing better and, and one needs to be subbed, then that's fine. But they can also play in the same team together. So is he and he's, he's a little, Is he quick? He's quick. Yeah, very similar to me. Yeah. And he's somebody I think has still got a little bit of growth in him. I think he will improve. I think we can develop him. So I don't think he'll early season. You know, I hope he, he kind of does well and, and gets in the team. But we don't want to put too much pressure on him. We want to gradually build them in so to have Demi there and know that we've got a, a top left wing back and when the time is right we can we can get Vincent in the team as well and get them both playing together then then that would be that would be good to see yeah and where's Jack Aitchison play is he see Jack is uh, number 10 oh okay so Jack Aitchison is someone that came down to Barnsley and, and, and has had some joy in League One He's, he scored some goals in League One I feel like he's another player that has more development in him. He's only 23, uh, and we, we think he's technically extremely good. We think he can get more goals than he, than he has got in, in recent years by the way we play and, and him arriving in the box, similar to the way Jay Stansfield did it or Archie Collins did it second half of the season. So Jack will be, Jack will be a really exciting player. Technically very good, uh, but someone, if he gets in around the box, can score goals as well. Is there any chance you can get an old, like Prem Premier League player in that I've sort of recognised and I, I'm going oh, bloody hell, it's him. <laughs> you, got, you got any names for me? <laughs> don't know, really. You must have some contacts, Gary. Come on. <laughs> I don't care if he's forty odd. Doesn't matter. I thought look, we're looking at we're looking at everything. There's no name that comes up that we don't look at. But is it hard getting people down to Devon? I've I've not noticed that. Uh, no. Since I've been in in January, that wasn't a problem. And, and so far, that's not been why, you know, we've missed out on certain players. Uh, there's been there's been other factors involved. But I think the key is, we, we obviously need to get some experienced players. And I think, you know, signing Kevin McDonald, Williamson in January helped us a lot. Uh, but also, I think it's important we understand that the football club wants to get younger players and develop them and, and make them better. So... And, and Vinny and, and Jack, we've got two young players who we feel can help us now, but we also feel that we can develop those players and make them better as well. So it feels like you've the back three are sort of, I don't know, I guess you're getting more in, but it's sort of settled. Is it with Czech and Pierce and Will and 
Yeah, I think we've got four. Ideally, we'd like another one. Right. So we've got Czech, Sweden, Will, and, and Alex. So if we play a back three, four of them are competing for three places. If we play two centre-halves, then four are competing for two. Yeah. Uh, so we feel we've got reasonable competition there. We want to get one more in to, to make it five. Uh, but like I said, that... that you know, back three was was better in the second half of the season than we were in the first. We've already had some meetings. I think a key thing from last year we have to improve on is we, we conceded far too many goals uh, from nothing really. Where you know the last game of the season was probably a, a prime example of that. Where we conceded two goals in a game that the dominance that we had, we should never have conceded those two goals. So that's work on the training ground this pre-season and throughout the season where. We have to get better as a unit and, and individually we, we have to improve as well in, in those defensive actions. And uh, important stuff, first game of the season, do you buy new clothes for it? New shoes? Surely you do. <laughs> yeah, I think I will, yeah, this year. <laughs> you got Kev, to, have you? Kev keeps saying that I, I should get the, the jeans and the, the trainers like, like Guardiola, but oh. uh, I said, if you've if you've won as many Champions League as his, he has, you can wear whatever you yeah, like. It's a bit of when, a statement, isn't it, coming out like that? When you're me, I, I'm always somebody that likes to wear a club tie or the the club tracksuit. I like to I like to wear something that that associates me with the football club, and it's like almost like a, my club uniform on on a match day. So I might get something new. You never know. Yeah, you, I, I think I had a quick look at the like the fixtures in the first six weeks. Is it really tough start? Felt pretty sure it felt like it. Right? And and do you kind of go right by September? I think we need though that amount of points, or is it not work like no. that? No, really. No. I don't know anything. <laughs> Just look at every game and and think we can we can win it. But I think when uh when you looked at the the, the fixtures last season when I came in, the fixtures were horrendous. Yeah, we played a really strong group of games, and then we had that run again at the back end of the season. When I look at the fixtures now, I don't see a run like that. There's obviously difficult games, but as I always say, you, you have to play everyone twice. Whether you play them in you know August or you play them in, in April, then it, it doesn't really matter. So uh, we take them as they come and, and we'll try and win every game when, when that comes around. Sorry, did we annoy you, John? No, my, my Wi-Fi dropped out. My apologies, guys. I can... Uh, no, not at all. I can only apologize. David said I was starting to bore you and you... you yeah. <laughs> no, it, the Wi-Fi's been terrible all day, so it's been dropping right. out. My apologies. Okay. Right, I don't know what this question is, but is there a potential signing in your back pocket, Gary, that if you told us it would sort of blow my noggin? Casey, David wants to know, are you going to sign a ex-Premier League star? He's already. I thought he had somebody for me. I thought he'd been scouting. <laughs> Do you know the cliche is Gary has all these connections at Newcastle. Everyone says that, and so everyone's thinking he's going to pull someone in that we can't believe. <laughs> I, I, I'll keep trying. I think we we recruitment. You know, if you look at like when Kevin McDonald came, he was. He was someone that was seen as kind of, well, he's finished and he's not going to, you know, do that much. He's not played a lot. We got him into training. He looked really good. And Did you know him, he, Gary, from before? Or? I, I didn't know him really well. My brother played with him at uh, Burnley when, when they were at Burnley together. I'd been in a few Scotland squads with him and obviously seen his career, knew the, the quality that he had and knew the difficult time he had with, with his health. So 
I knew all the kind of backstory, but I didn't know him that well. But I managed to get in touch with him. We got him down. He trained. We thought he looks really good, and I thought he was excellent for us. He showed his his kind of Premier League quality, and that is always there is always those little gems out there. You just have to. Yeah. Be ready for them and, and try and be active and, and make it happen when the opportunity comes. When I was when I watched him play, he always seemed like he was just a couple of seconds ahead of everyone else. He sort of knew yeah. where everyone was as soon as he got the ball. And what is that? What did he That's have? Good That's good players. <laughs> is that what it is? What was he doing that others don't do? Well, when I think when you play at that higher level, when you've played at Premier League level or, or Championship level, and you're coming down in the game. You know, it's, at the levels, it's obviously harder to do it up there. So when he's dropping down a little bit, then he still has that quality and that awareness of, and he'll never lose that. So again, like he's not someone that was going to run about like Harry Kite. And and I think, you know, when you have a team like Harry Kite done so much running for for Kev that you know that goes a little bit unnoticed at times because Kev can do the the flashy things and Harry's doing doing the other things, other side of the game that we need to do. So that's the key when we're when we're building a team and we might be looking at player, you know, X in one position, but if we get another player then that affects how that position looks. So right, right. It's always you're you're putting a jigsaw together that sometimes, you know, whilst you might be thinking of one player in one position when you get someone else it then alters how you think of that. So it's constantly evolving, constantly looking, working and, and trying to get the squad ready f- as, as quick as we possibly can. Would you ever consider getting someone in who's about six foot nine? I always like the idea of a massive striker. Big striker. We've, we've got James Scott. He's a big no, striker. No, I, I mean, like, in the, so when they walk out, you go, fucking, that's the size of him. Like really David big. wants the circus, don't you? You want all the circus and, and everybody in. I want a bloody great bean pole up there. He, keep, he keeps asking for these players, but he's got no names. Yeah. He needs some names. You can't, you can't need, ask for something to... that has, you know, you've got... Mo Isa. He's not six foot nine. No, I just thought saw his name last night. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to show off some of his knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd say Oddo. Oddo. Dreads. Played for Rochdale. About five foot four. Lovely little player. <laughs> he's good. He's bloody good, Oddo. I've never seen him play. Oh, right. Is I'm it there, to be honest? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got some questions here from fans, Gary. Are you up for answering them? Yes. Um, there's some good ones in there. Um, all right, here's a, here's a fun one. Uh, which is the best football kit ever from Mr. Peacow? Well, this, this, this year's home kit, got to yeah. be. Yeah. Do you like it, Gary? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, really nice. Uh, the the whole kit. I've got the the new training kit on. Yeah, I want I want to get some of that training kit. Looks lovely. What's it's the back? Is it? Have they blocked out the back, or is it just stripes? It's got to be just stripes. Have they blocked it out? The back of the. I don't know actually. Yeah, we we had the unveiling on Sunday. That was yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a really nice kit. But. Uh, the best kit. Have you seen Ajax's third kit? The red, gold, no. and green. Is that nice? My favourite kit would maybe be the Scotland. Remember Scotland 1990? You just won't remember that kit. The white. It was a white away kit with blue and yellow like hoops. No. 
That was one of my favourite kits many many years ago. And then the Celtic Celtic always had a you know like a bumblebee kit like the luminous yellow and black like Borussia Dortmund colours. That was that was a nice kit. It's important to have a nice kit. I thought yeah. I think the the, the lads have loved the new training kit, the Adidas uh, new kits look great and I think judging by the amount of people who was at the stadium yesterday, yeah. then then a lot of the supporters have, have kinda of went for it as well. So I think it's great. I bought my wife an extra city like a massive shirt so she could wear it as a nighty. So it's How did that go down? Yeah, really well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Celtic question here. Do you, does Gary think that Celtic would stand a, ch- a chance in the Premier League? Honest answer. I was getting asked this oh, question. Oh, really? Oh, don't worry. Uh, I think Celtic and Rangers both would if they got the same money. Yeah. So to judge their teams the now is unfair because the lowest team in the Premier League gets about £180 million to spend on players. Celtic and Rangers TV money will probably be a couple of million. Is that all? So it's unfair to, to gauge their squad against a Premier League squad. If they got 180 million from Sky tomorrow, I'm sure they could attract players that would make them both, over time, very, very competitive in the Premier League. What do teams in the Championship get for TV money? Do they get? I'm not 100. They'll, they'll, they'll probably get more than Celtic or Rangers. Celtic or Rangers get a lot of money off, off Sky. It's... The TV, you know, the TV deal in Scottish football is really poor compared to the, the Premier League. Yeah. Um, another question. Uh, okay, this is from Graham Hughes. How long does Gary expect until the next signing, please? <laughs> Everyone's really hungry for another signing. Uh, <laughs> he's looking around the room for anybody listening. <laughs> Uh, is there a chance we might have three on the bounce like have a really good week we go bloody hell it's non-stop yeah that, the, the, the thing about it is it's unpredictable if I, if I just now we've got offers out for several players where we're actively talking to them I've met them we're speaking to the club we've made them contract offers so if they all said yes tomorrow then yeah we could have players but you know, do I think that will happen? Probably not. I think it will. I'm hopeful of, of possibly announcing another one this week. Oh. Hopeful. Do, so what's the situation there? They get you offer them a place, a chance to play, and they normally go, "Okay, but I want to see what else comes in." Is that kind of it? Yeah, a little bit. They've got other offers for other teams. They obviously it has to make sense with their family, and and if they've got and different things that they move into the area uh, financially it has to be right for the player uh, so yeah there's a lot of factors that you know even when you think you're close until you sign then then it's not over over the line Gary how do you go about selling Exit City to people because obviously you know yourself it's hard it's like a hard decision to make you've got to come it's often very long way from home what are, what like key points do you point out to players is in a persuasive manner to bring them to Exeter? I think the the training ground, first and foremost, I've had a few players come to the training ground. I've met them here, 
showing them round. So that is a huge asset to show off. Uh, I think the stability of the football club is huge. That you're coming into a football club where it's very stable. It's not somewhere that changes their manager every couple of months. It's not uh, a club that's that's volatile and up and down in terms of change of ownership and different things. So the stability of the club. I think the style of play that we have now, we are, you know, every player would want to play in a team that plays football and tries to get the ball down and pass. So uh, we're very attractive in that front. And I think the stadium has said, especially for younger players, I think this is a big one. And, and for the lone players who there's, we've got two or three lone players who we are very close to, but potentially won't be able to announce for a number of weeks because they'll be at their parent club for, for pre-season. But, uh, to play in SGP is for me unique that they get an environment where they can, as long as they give their all and they, they give effort then the supporters will stick by them no matter what, that doesn't happen at many other football clubs Does it not? Because I don't know I haven't got any experience of it, is it different here then? Yeah, I think I think I don't know why it is. I think because of the possibly it's been you know supporter owned. So I think the supporters feel more of a connection and more of a uh, role to play within the club. I think other supporters probably there's a there's an expectancy and a, and a they 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 think they they need to get a win or a, or a different thing and it and it's, it puts more pressure on the players. But I feel like at our stadium. Our supporters have never turned on us. There's never been any even negativity. People have made mistakes at that stadium, many mistakes, and, and still the supporters stick by them. And for young players who... I think, I think this club's seen loads of young players that either come through the academy or, or that they've bought come in and, and they know that young players are going to make mistakes and they need support in those moments to, to help them develop. And... You know, Jay Stansfield was a brilliant example of that last season. He, he went 22 games without scoring a goal. The crowd didn't get against him. The staff stuck with him. We kept believing in him. We kept working with him. We pulled him out of the team at different times to help support him and not put him under too much pressure. And then come the end of the season, you know, he scores the hat-trick and he scored goals against Barnsley and, and different teams and showed his, his quality. So... That is unique for me in, in football and it's a, a huge selling point for, for younger players and for lone players. Well, a good example of that was, well, David was there and obviously Gary was there at Sheffield Wednesday away this season. I mean, oh fans won from you know, fans. minute one and that's not what it's like at SJP. It's, like Gary said, very much sort of a, a forgiving environment. And like you said, if you try your hardest, then you're often backed and supported. Yeah, because they understand that, you know, that people make mistakes, you know, and it, like I say, especially younger players that, and, and you have to make those mistakes to then develop and, and get better. And uh, I think what we've seen like at Sheffield Wednesday, that expectancy of, you know, we're going to win and, and we should go up. And that brings a, a different kind of pressure. And that's why they will recruit a different type of player uh, for, for to play in those experiences. What we want to do is develop players who, who can play in any, any stadium. But to do that, you need to give them that support when, when they're younger. Um, so Carl is it Carl uh, no Callum's written here when you when you played against like, in the Champions League against uh, Barcelona and other big sides was it difficult to focus 
coming into back into the league or into a little cup where you're playing against a smaller side? It's, it's hard emotionally. I think when you play in a Champions League game, especially at Celtic Park, like it, you, you couldn't sleep till four or five in the morning because whatever was going through your body... To Post-match or pre-match? Post-match, yeah, right. after the game. I was going to ask up. Gary, what is it like when you've got a massive game like that, pre-match? Do you ever sleep? Yeah, I used to love sleeping during the day. I can give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get that opportunity now. Right. Brilliant. Uh, I used to love an afternoon sleep before a big game. Uh, but then because you had the snooze during the day and then the adrenaline from the game, you would be up all night and then then have to prepare, whether that be a Thursday, Friday, and then a game on a Saturday. Uh, but it would be difficult. But I think that's what separates, you know, average players and top players you know you watch Manchester City week in week out game in game out just producing the same and to, to go through a course of a season and win three different competitions it shows that not just the level of talent but the level of dedication yeah. uh, to, their, to everything about their life is, is dedicated towards being the best they can be so it's uh, that's what it's what the best players do and it's, uh, it's not easy I don't know how, how you can do how that. How did you have a snooze? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Before Barcelona, how can you have a snooze? You just shut your eyes and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the difference between like a normal person and a professional footballer because just you must just be built differently. Because I don't know I, the, the nerves. Just just watch a little TV show or watch something on the iPad, and then you would just <laughs> you drift off. away. And there we have it. Listen to this, you fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can podcast on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, is there ever a time where you remember playing, you know, you've obviously played at some like incredible places and you've thought, oh God, like they're on my case here. There's like 60,000 people oh. on my case. Uh, oh, too many to remember, John. Uh, what one do you want? Uh, the one that stands out in particular where you thought, oh God, like, I don't know if I'm out for this or that kind of... I had some difficult... I scored an own goal in Benfica one night and then gave a goal away five minutes after it. We were 2-0 down after 10, 15 minutes and you have to keep playing. You have to find a way. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's really, really hard. I played at Celtic Park. I played at right back for a period and... The crowd were on my case every time the ball came at me, 62,000 people. And Are you really aware of that at the time, or can you block it out? Or You can hear 62,000 people when they're having a go at you, David. Yeah, it's yeah, but, yeah, but you hear some players go, oh, I'll never hear it, mate, I'm just focused on that. No, yeah, they're liars, they're liars. It, when, when the crowd's on your back, does everything feel like more... Oh, my like, cause like, God. I can imagine like, your legs get heavy and everything. every touch is sort of like... I don't know, I just can't even imagine it. I, literally, the thought of it makes me want to cry. But like I say, that's where SGP's so good. That, that that makes the game harder, but there is an expectation at Celtic that you, you need to win every game. You need, you know, and, and if you aren't performing, which I wasn't great in that position, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I was playing great and I didn't deserve it. I wasn't doing that great, but uh, it brings a pressure and... I think those they create it creates a resilience in it within you that once you get through it, then then it's just part of the job really. You just have to get on with it and 
accept that at some point you're going to get criticism and at some point you're not going to be playing well and that's when you need to step up to the plate and, and do even more to, to get through it. I mean, are there points though where you go, please don't pass me, please don't pass me, don't look at me? Never, no. I had a youth team, well, my reserve team coach at Newcastle was Tommy Craig, a Scottish coach, and that was a big thing that he taught me, that you always take the ball, you always want the ball, no matter how bad you're playing, you do what's right for the team and do do the right thing. So uh, he, he taught me that when I was very young and, and I, I would like to think I, I carried that through my whole career. I went to look at that video. After we last spoke to you, I went to look at that video of you against Barcelona. Yeah, I also watched I could not believe the team you were playing against. <laughs> <laughs> but you were you against Messi, Henri, Ronaldinho. Eto came on as sub, I think. Yeah, good sub to have. <laughs> before before the game, do you actually think yeah, you know we can we can turn these over? Are you thinking just sort of keep it to a minimum, like let's not concede as many as possible? Uh, no, I think with Celtic we were different. I think at, at Celtic Park we had an amazing uh, record at Celtic Park and in, in the Champions League. I don't think we lost for for a long time. We we actually when we qualified out the group. We never won a point away from home. We just used to win nine points at home. That was how good our home form was. But the, the one game I would say was my Scotland debut. We played France when uh, it was like Zidane. Uh, Did you play against Zidane? Trezeguet, yeah. And, and Bertie Volks was our manager for his first game. And he came in, obviously, from Germany. And we are a team of Scottish players. So he gave the team talk and told us how we're going to get in their face and Zidane's to get no space, everyone to get really tight and stop them playing and he was talking like we were actually going to win the game <laughs> and we were all thinking, we just want to hang in here and stay nil nil for as long as possible and every time, I'll never forget, every time Zidane got the ball, there was nobody near him <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought, how can this player who we've been told and we're trying to mark and get close to get so much space on a football pitch. It was incredible. We lost 5 now. What is he doing, Gary, to do that? What is Zidane doing? His brain's his brain's working faster and, and better than everyone else. And he sees... Is he super quick and strong? Was he a quick player or is he just quick in the head? He was about probably two inches bigger than me and, like, he was big, oh, powerful. He's my favourite player, Zidane. Just... He was in. He was incredible that night. We we literally didn't get near him. Uh, he scored the first goal. It was like a left foot volley. Trezeguet scored a volley. It was just it was ridiculous. It was you were in awe of them. Like and we couldn't get near them. They were just incredible. That, is that a hard thing to process? Because like, I like, when I play football now and I play an awful standard and someone's better, I can be like, okay, yeah, there's definitely better than me at football. But when you're like a top you know, playing for Celtic or Premier League defender and then someone's still sort of taking the piss. Do you think, oh, how? How is he doing that? Yeah, I think that's the thing about top players. They didn't take the piss. They just kept scoring goals. You know, like they, they didn't they didn't showboat at all. They, they just kept doing the right thing and, and hurting you and, and making it hard and scoring more and more goals. But I've always felt like, you know, you get to levels and... and you, you, like I said, you need to fail, you need to get a few slaps in the face and, and understand that, yeah, I'll take that, but I need to do something about that. I thought I thought I was doing okay here, 
And I've just realised that I'm absolutely a million miles away from being anywhere near what a top football player looks like. And then you just work harder and, and obviously, you know, the majority were never going to get there. They are the absolute elite of football. So it's it's no disgrace if you don't get there. But, you know, you need to take those experiences and, and be honest with yourself and say, I have to get better and I have to improve and try and bridge that gap as much as you can because they are the, the, the or they were the very best players I've ever ever seen. I do, I do think with the top sportsmen in any they, they just they think different they train different they, they are different they've got a different mentality but you obviously to, to be the best at anything you have to have a level of talent uh, but I do think that they, they work harder they work smarter they're, they're they're dedicated to what they do their mentality is is another level you know that was one of the biggest things Sean Maloney when he worked for my, my, one of my mates who's, who's Wigan manager now he he said their mentality was, was different he said but they're not actually as good as you think they are they're, yeah. they're top players but it's their mentality that sets them apart rather than their talent uh, and I think that's you know a big thing that I think some players get lost in that that they think they're doing something that they can't do and it's not they're just doing it more consistently uh, more. Gary, who's the best player you've played with or against that we wouldn't necessarily think of being a good player? Uh, Underrated, I guess. Underrated player? It's a good question. Thank you. Hour in. Hour into the pod. And the last pod sucks. <laughs> right, two hours. Two hours, ten. <laughs> Uh, who's a good player? Uh, I don't, do, he's one. No, do you remember Nakamura at Celtic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was he was a top player, like a really really good player. I think he actually just retired recently. He must be about. Well, get on the old blower. Yeah, <laughs> get down to Devon. Yeah, he's he's mid forties, I think now. Is he? Uh, oh, shame. Uh, but he was a fantastic player, free kick taker, but technically very good you could never get the ball off him and another player that he was always in space to receive the ball you know like found space and he, he didn't speak very good English yet he, everyone always passed for the ball but he never ever shouted for the ball so he was always somebody that knew where to stand to receive the ball and, and affect the game yeah we were talking to Alex Fisher weren't we he played against Pirlo in a pre-season game and he said you sort of run up to Pirlo to from behind oh, I've got him I'm going to and they just spin away and go, oh it's sort of know where everyone was yeah on the pitch it's that awareness it's uh, yeah it's the sixth sense that they've got top players um, uh, uh, five minutes Gary is that alright you probably want to go home don't you um, on a zoom we're playing in five minutes so if, if oh, I then don't come on this it's alright I'll, I'll be telling Exeter fans that you stopped I was signing another player. Oh, don't. Well, we, we already get enough stick as it is. We don't want any more. Right, one more. I've got to ask a good question. One more question. Have you got one, John, while I'm looking? Well, off the top of my head, I haven't got any um, any more written down. Um, Bad, that, it? Do you miss the players when they leave, when Archie went? Is there a tear in your eye or do you just go, right, on to the next? Because uh, I find it weird. Just uh, uh, Last week, I was like, oh, Archie Collins has got... Oh, right. And then, oh, he's gone. Oh. 
as a fan? I think you do a little bit. I think I, I've been in football a long time, so I understand that that's what happens. That's the reality of the game. But uh, I think especially when you feel like it, it, it would be good if they stayed and for them and for, for us, obviously, I think there is a little bit of sadness, but we, we wish them well. It was nice. We seen Stano came and seen us at the park run on Saturday. Oh, right. Uh, and it's always good to see Stano. So he came and seen us and uh, all the lads kind of were there and gives you a hug and that. So, yes, I think it's always good when you have experiences with people, highs and lows with people, then you develop a really deep connection with these people. And when they leave, uh, it's difficult, but it's football. We, we all understand what happens and you have to move on and bring in new players, create new relationships and, and make new memories with, with those players. I've got one more. I've got one more. One quickie. One one minute. John, is there a player out there that you'd like to say to Gary? Have a look at this one, guy. Wow. Mine's Oddo. You've absolutely put me on the spot there. Five foot four. Tricky little bugger. <laughs> Come on, John. They're one he's, he's, bigger, he's bigger than Pertz, then. Yeah. He's five foot four. He's bigger than <laughs> Ooh. There's, there's, some, there's some unrealistic ones, though. But I'd, I'd well, we don't really need a defender, do we? So I won't go for a defender. Ooh. Take your time. It's only a... No, you know what? I will go for the defender. I'm thinking of if I could, if I could have anybody right now that I could think of, Tom, I'd, I'd love Sonny Bradley. I think, although he's played for our uh, local rivals, I think he's an unbelievable player. Great centre half. There you go. Not interested. Not interested. <laughs> Couldn't give a shit. Nope. <laughs> uh, really trying to push Otto on you. Not getting anything back. No, I don't, I don't think I'll be getting on my scouting team next year. No, that's fine. That's understandable. Paul Smith. Oh, don't worry. I'm just listing people from FIFA now. Don't worry. He's <laughs> listing names now. <laughs> Gary, thank you very much for coming on. Please get us promoted, please. No problem. Hopefully we'll get some players and you'll have a team that you can be proud of again next season and look forward to seeing you at the stadium again. It was good to see you at the end of last season. Oh, my boy, he loved what you did. It's an incredible thing. I said to, I said to all the staff, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Uh, and to, to be able to be a part uh, walk around and see so many supporters and, and you know actually speak to people that you obviously see on a podcast for time to time yeah. uh, and other people was just incredible and we are a unique football club in that that regard so uh, oh no when you spoke to my boy that day he was just yes Mr Colbert <laughs> no Mr Colbert <laughs> but he'll, he'll never forget that that was great yeah thank I you wish, for that I wish the team would do that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right well uh, have a great chat with Oddo and uh, <laughs> yeah good luck next season thank, thank you Gary thanks very much lads cheers Gary thank you thank you bye
Exeter City, y'all. 